Emma. And me, Gabby. And me, Lisa. <laughs> Very That's special right. guest. Very special guest. Lisa is my mom. <laughs> um, we're really excited. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Mom. My pleasure. Um, so this week for our drinks, my mom decided to make us some fancy drinks. So why don't you intro? What, what are we having today? Today we are all having turmeric hot chocolate. Mm. It's delicious. What's in it? How did you make it? It is hot chocolate with turmeric. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> the look that my mom just gave you was like... But I think it's like homemade, right? Yeah. It is homemade. Like it was actual chocolate yes. melted. Yes. That is uh-huh. accurate. And we used vanilla almond milk unsweetened because that's what I had. Mm-hmm. What are we going to talk about today? What's What's going on? Today we're talking about a topic that was actually Lisa's idea. Yeah. And we're really excited about it. So the title, I guess, of the podcast will be The Differences and Similarities Between Being 20 in 1993 and uh, 2019. Yeah. So, yeah. Very relevant, I feel like. Yeah. We're 20 in 2019. (laughs) My mom was 20. In 1993. Yeah, but relevant for our podcast, too. Yeah. It kind of encompasses a lot of the things that we talk about anyways. Yeah. So, we mostly, we just talk about what it's like to be doing every episode. That's all we do. (laughs) Um, And my mom sent us a bunch of ideas that she thought we could use, and we decided to do this one because the other ones we can probably steal and do ourselves without you, so. That's really rude. Yeah, that's why we chose this one. (laughs) But you had some very good ideas. That's why. Yeah. But yeah, so why don't you uh, tell us a bit about yourself, Mom? And <laughs> that's tell very vague. About yourself now, like mm. in 2019, and then tell us about yourself in 1993. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What's um, changed? Well, in I would say years? pretty much every single possible thing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say I'm definitely, I've grown into a more responsible, Grown up. mature, um, person. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, now I have a career. I'm well educated. I own my own home. I have a child <laughs> that has successfully survived to be 20. So I feel pretty proud about that. Mm. Um, I would say I am definitely a reliable, responsible, steady person. Yeah. When I was 20, mm-hmm. I was none of those things at all. Yeah. Um, I was definitely not responsible, reliable, no. did not have a career, was not well-educated, did not no. have a child, no. did not have any particular ambitions to do any of those things. No. I was just living in the moment what was like of a, fun. What was like mm-hmm. a day in the life of Lisa in 93? Oh my goodness. Like an average day. An average day, probably at that point, I um, uh, had some roommates. So probably an Where average day. Uh, for part of twenty, I was in Edmonton, and for part of it, I was in Vancouver. Either place, same experience. Where yeah. probably it entailed getting up around probably two in the afternoon because yeah. we were up until four a.m. Yeah probably hungover yeah probably eating maybe (laughs) cheesies or doritos or whatever disgusting junk food we had yeah and figuring what we were going to do that night night and how we were going to finance what we were going to do that night uh the bigger the bigger challenge yeah that was kind of it i went out a lot yeah and was intoxicated a lot yeah and yeah it was really living in the moment where now I'm definitely in the moment but also future focused yeah you were just here for a good time yeah when I was 20 I couldn't even envision the future like the next week yeah yeah definitely that sounds fun I'm an over planner (laughs) I'm like what will I be doing in 37 (laughs) years from now (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely planning closer to 37 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can say what a day in the life of you now is, for some context. 
Okay. I bet I've got this. Okay. Um, you wake up at an appropriate hour. Yes. Like 7.30, maybe 8. Mm-hmm. You go to work. Yes. You come home from work. Yes. You make dinner. Mm-hmm. You watch something on Netflix. Mm, yep. And you read a book for a little bit before bed. Yes. And you are lights out by 9 p.m. Between 9, 9 and 10. 9 and mm-hmm. 10. Yeah. Well, the other day I tried to call you at 9.20 <laughs> and you were already asleep. And I was like, this is outrageous. No, I probably wasn't asleep, but I just had my ringer off. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, you seem like a lot more tame now, though. 100%. The hours sure. of the day that you see have changed significantly. Significantly. And yeah. you'll find when you get older, you just don't have the stamina that you once had. Yeah, I already don't have that The stamina. thought of going yes. out five or six nights a week mm. is oh so wildly unappealing. I can't yeah. even imagine it. I feel like we're 20 going on 35, though. Yeah. Like, we're already there. We don't really do anything. <laughs> If anyone listening wants I've to... I've always been like that, though. Yeah, you That's been my personality like, since I was born. That's true. Uh, <laughs> the same with you, Emma. Yeah, I've been a homebody. <laughs> I've been a Netflix watcher. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I feel like our day in the life, like, well, our lives are fairly similar mm-hmm. since we live together and, like, do the same stuff. We do stuff. mostly the same things, yeah. But, yeah, definitely more... More tame than the average 20 Structured. So did you uh, work at all? Uh, I worked sporadically, part-time, mm-hmm. like restaurant, a lot of the time. retail-type mm-hmm. jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jobs that didn't require any education mm-hmm. or experience. Or and commitment. that I didn't really... Yeah, I was going to say, or commitments that I didn't yeah. really care about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did a lot of restaurants. Mm-hmm. You worked in the China section of a store. Right? I did. Eaton's China Department and Eaton's Bed and Bath Department. I know. Mm-hmm. Super fancy. Hot diggity dog. The hot hot diggity dog was my first yeah. job. Yeah, when I was 15. <laughs> yeah. West Edmonton Mall, Phase 3 Food Court. <laughs> All the cute boys hung out there. <laughs> she's always well, known. It's the place she's, to be. She's always <laughs> had strategy. There was a lot of shenanigans in the back. Yeah, room it might of, have. Uh, hot diggity dog. <laughs> might have not been conventional strategy, but it was strategy. <laughs> not just with me, with the other girls who work there. Yeah. Come on. I mean, when you work at Hot Diggity Dog in West Edmonton Mall. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's horrifying. It really it is. is. Horrifying. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so jumping right in, we have a few like kind of key thoughts that we wanted to compare our 20 life and your 20 mm-hmm. world life with. And the first one was like political atmosphere, but kind of some more specific things within that. Do you want to maybe talk more about that, Gabby? Yeah, so we were feeling like there's, I don't know, and this might even be a, a difference here is that we're, like, as 20-year-olds, and I feel like a lot of people in our generation, too, are pretty politically conscious and really Mm -hmm. thinking a lot about politics and what's going on in the world and, like, how their actions affect Mm -hmm. the people around them and, like, the world as a whole. Um, So I guess one, like, I guess a big question to start off is, was that even a... On your radar? Yeah, Yeah. on your radar is a good way to say that. As a 20-year-old and and your in your surrounding mm-hmm. peer groups or maybe not at all i would say less so than today and primarily due to access to information yeah mm-hmm. for sure um then if you wanted to know the news you had to actually watch the news that was only on at six o'clock mm-hmm. or eight o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. or read an actual newspaper yeah and though those were the only ways of really getting information yeah um and so it wasn't as read- readily available and so we weren't talking about it as much yeah. when there mm-hmm. were big events that happened we would know about yeah. it um but often the things that we probably cared more about were things like when Kurt Cobain died. For example, Mm. there was national mourning for everybody our age. Mm. Everybody knew about it, was talking about it. But when it came to more political things, 
Not as much. Yeah. Um, obviously, there were still student activism yeah. and there were many people that were really involved in politics, but not to the same uh, level that it is today, mm-hmm. for sure. Okay. Yeah, and with like the 90s were like the grunge chill time in my head. Like it wasn't like, I feel like before that there was like the hippie culture and then you guys were like the, no, we're just going to like hang out. I would say grunge in a way or that grunge, but in yeah. that time yeah. was really, um, from my experience, and of course I can only speak from my own experience, was more yeah. about kind of that screw the man yeah. Yeah. kind of attitude. Um, and really was about, yeah, just having a good time, not worrying too much about yeah. anything else just about the future. Out. Yeah. Nice. And again, I don't think that was everyone's experience yeah. in 1993, yeah. but that was yeah. my experience. That was like your little yeah. bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. And so as far as um, political atmosphere, like what it was like, obviously a lot of things have evolved and changed since then. So specifically, one thing we wanted to talk about was women's rights. It's mm-hmm. something that, I don't know, comes up a lot in our conversations on the podcast and yeah. in real life. Um, and so just what it was like to be a young woman in that time and um, maybe things that Emma and I take for granted or Mm -hmm. don't even consider nowadays that Mm -hmm. were different back then. I would say in some ways it was quite a complicated time for women. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our mothers came from, you know, were born in probably the mid to late 1940s Mm -hmm. and I know when my mom yeah the baby boomers when my mom was um finishing high school and thinking about what her next step in life would be she used to joke that her options were to be basically a teacher a nurse or a secretary Mm -hmm. those were the options for women yeah um and so yeah. yeah, there were, I mean, obviously there were other options. Women did other things, but those would be the most predominant things uh-huh. or the messaging that she received. Yeah. And so um, she actually became a nurse and then got a teaching degree. Mm-hmm. Two of the three things. Um, <laughs> she did go. those. Um, but so I think for my generation of women, it was really about exploring what else is there yeah. and how do you, what does that mean? How do you get there? Um and how do you how how do we define ourselves and i think there that's a lot of where that maybe that sort of grunge movement came from maybe i might be wrong about this but is just that time in your life i think for most 20 year olds when you're trying to figure yourself out yeah and Mm -hmm. things had shifted so much in the 70s and 80s for women that it was really figuring out okay what does that mean yeah for us you were like the first era of 20 year olds who didn't like have to fight as much you just like had the opportunities mm-hmm. and you're like whoa mm. yeah what do we do yes yeah and you guys chose to get drunk no I'm kidding. <laughs> so, for the most part a lot of my friends did but a lot of my friends did that as well as going to Doing university other things. yeah um mm. most of my friends did go to school yeah. and it was still a time of feeling again yeah feeling a little bit lost yeah in it yeah so you guys like started something new, kind of. I think so. I would say in the eighties and nineties, yeah, for sure. Women were figuring out that that burn your bra feminism mm-hmm. was over, and yeah. so then what does that mean? Yeah. Do you want to be equal? Do you want to be the same? What does equality mean? Yeah. How do we define ourselves mm-hmm. in that? Um, one of the things that came from that time, and particularly that sort of grunge movement, was that. Um, there was less differentiation between gender as far as how you looked. Yeah, like mm-hmm. everyone just wore everyone kind of wore baggy, baggy clothes, clothes mm-hmm. lumberjack. Yeah, and pictures shirts. of like you and Auntie Lorraine, mm-hmm. you were dressed the exact same as the guys, and they yes. all had like shoulder length hair, and you guys all had shoulder length hair. <laughs> no one wore makeup. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. Yeah, it, it was really an interesting time from that respect. And that yeah. was sh- fairly short-lived, actually. Yeah. That was just a few years. Um, 
but it really did change the dynamics because when I was in my teen years, my late teens, um, it was a bit different in how we used to dress and how then we would be perceived and how we would, I think, perceive ourselves. Yeah. Um, we were definitely dressing a little more provocative, well, a lot more provocatively. Yeah. Mm. And through those years of probably 91 to maybe 94-ish, 95, yeah. it was that, yeah, more... You dress the same as the boys. And yeah. And then, I guess, mm. yeah, then clothing just becomes less of your identity. And then it's like another layer of how you were talking about how then it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? I think it was still a huge part of our identity, but it wasn't a sexualized identity. Yeah. Okay. Like there wasn't real sexuality to that when you're wearing giant shirts and giant pants and no makeup. It's really a different, it's a a different form of identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because you're breaking out of like the traditional... Well, and it's supposed to be like non-conforming, which is really where the punk of the late 70s, early 80s came from. That punk movement was the same and the same age group, 20-year-olds. You would probably hear them saying something similar about Mm -hmm. how it's about not conforming and breaking away from the status quo, but then actually not just conforming conforming with each other. (laughs) And then you all just, we all looked exactly, it's like it becomes a uniform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Your baggy value village um janitor pants and yeah. uh or hospital pants and Which are coming lumberjack back pretty much jacket yeah yeah it's coming back a lot now like mm-hmm. all the skater boys yeah they wear like giant cargo pants yeah. and giant t-shirts and like really small beanies like, imagine everybody everybody beanies. dressing like that yeah yeah like, regardless of your like your social yeah of your gender yeah that's crazy mm-hmm yeah, it was also actually probably an equalizer as far as socioeconomic oh, background yeah. as well, because whether you were wealthy or you had grown up in poverty, everybody was shopping at Value Village. Yeah. Everyone yeah. wanted to look that yeah. way. Everyone wanted so, to look three dollars, and so everyone so the was only way the only way you would know is if someone had a car or didn't, uh-huh. or if they lived in a nicer area. But even then, they would probably move out. Mm-hmm to Mm -hmm. a sketchy apartment with their friends because that was kind of the cool thing to do. (laughs) So So there were, yeah, there were fewer ways to differentiate between all the people. Every in general. Yeah. Yeah. Now clothing is like, Mm -hmm. like everyone's like obsessed with like designer shoes Mm -hmm. and that's like a big thing, like sneaker heads, like guys Mm -hmm. who are obsessed with just having the newest like $500 runners they won't even wear. Yeah. Uh, there was a little there was a little bit yeah. of that. There was a little bit of that for sure. There were certain yeah. certain runners that you were certain shoes you wanted to have. Yeah. Um I feel like maybe it's more prominent like now wearing, though. Yeah. yeah. Like I know who someone I should, is based I on how they dress. That our generation in particular is like really obsessive like Things. what do they call it? Like logomania mm-hmm. yeah. and um conspicuous consumption and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think in times of like different economic fluctuations, mm-hmm. it's like considered good or bad to yeah. display what you have, right? Yeah. And yeah, and I think, I think we're we, really obsessed with that. I think we actually came from that because so, in the eighties, that's how it was. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It was very much um, about what you had, what yeah. brands you had. Just I remember in junior high, everybody wanted for brief time. One of the fads was wearing your shirts inside out. So that people oh could gosh. see the label so of, that it was. Um, and at that time, there weren't nearly the same stores in Canada that existed in the States. Mm. And so then you also would know oh. someone's economic status because if they went to the States to shop a lot, yeah. which then was a oh, big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, you didn't ju- people didn't just fly to Mexico on a whim or fly to Hawaii because you got a good seat sale. Like that didn't exist then. It was yeah. always a big deal. Uh, and so then that would also be a differentiator. Yeah. Um, so then you guys all grew up and yeah. you went out of it. So maybe after yeah. us. So it was sort of that, um, oh my gosh, what is that original Wall, Wall Street? That's the name of the yeah. movie. Um, where where um, that there's that line that comes from that movie that's greed is good. Yeah. And it's that yuppie generation mm. came in the early to mid 80s. And so I think that that grunge era, era was almost... A reflection of kids who wanted to completely separate themselves like they were from so that. Sick of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
true. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the other kind of aspect of the political atmosphere that we are curious about is just, I mean, we hear a lot, but we don't really know fully because we were pretty young. Um, but just this expectation of political correctness that mm-hmm. we live with. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we're pretty like adjusted to it because mm-hmm. I don't know. I would say after like age 10 is like for me is when I remember really becoming aware of like, well, you should and shouldn't say Mm -hmm. and like hearing about it in the greater media too, like PC or like, Mm -hmm. oh, you can't say that anymore. You can't say this anymore. Yeah. Um, and I guess that just kind of ties into like inclusion and discrimination Mm -hmm. and whatnot Mm -hmm. in general. But I guess coming from somebody who was young, um, at a time when that, and my assumption wasn't really as much of a thing, and it was more, like, was the mindset, like, yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know PC, exactly what I'm trying PC to say. PC was not a thing. Yeah. Like, that, it was not a term yeah. that I would have heard. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't something that we were, and again, this is coming from a place of white privilege yeah not mm-hmm. a thing that I thought of yeah um I saw myself on tv I saw myself in magazines yeah I saw myself on the news mm-hmm. so for me it was not something we didn't talk about inclusion we didn't mm-hmm. talk about political correctness we didn't mm-hmm. talk about um marginalized people really mm-hmm. and so it wasn't at the forefront of any thought I mean when mm-hmm. it's it's painful even though I still have favorite movies from that time Mm-hmm. it's sometimes painful to watch them because they are mm-hmm. so misogynistic racist mm-hmm. they homophobic actually, they're in, pretty awful yeah in the movie um to all the boys i've ever loved they like address that a bit because mm-hmm. the two girls and like they're from a they're from a korean american family right yeah yeah and they're watching 16 candles and there's like mm, a long duck dong. Long duck dong. It's like a super like blatantly racist Asian character, yeah. but they're still watching it. And then her like white boyfriend comes in the room. Is like, how can you watch that? And they're like, Jake Ryan, duh. Like there's a hot guy. <laughs> but like it's the idea of like you can still appreciate mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Without it, it makes it challenging though to look back and think actually is it okay? Yeah. For me to, I mean, that's one of like my it, favorite right? movies of yeah. the 80s. Yeah. Uh, is it okay for me to like it? I'm not sure. I'm on the fence about that. Yeah. Um, but I will say when you look at even that sort of grunge movement, it was primarily white. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Um, yeah. I mean, there would be a few people, minority people kind of scattered in there, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it was all yeah, a lot of white people. Yeah. So again, it's having the to... having the privilege to separate yourself out by looking like a homeless person, basically. Yeah. yeah. And having no ambition because actually you know that someday things are going to work out. Yeah. Where True, people yeah. who are from marginalized communities wouldn't necessarily have that luxury. Yeah. Of saying exactly. I can just I can just check out. Yeah. Like I did. I can't just check out for five years. Yeah. And then pop back back up again. And just and be, things are gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I didn't Very work valid. hard. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of advantage. Uh, a lot of advantages. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we definitely wouldn't have talked about that. I don't yeah. think. You haven't had a podcast? No. Uh, Though there was a movie, oh my gosh, what's it called, with Christian Slater, where he had a radio show and he would talk about really provocative things. Nice. And it was like a pilot radio show and kids would tune in and hear these real, and he would say some really inflammatory kind of out there things. Yeah. Um, So there were, there were those ideas that were out there. There there just wasn't, it wasn't readily accessible like it is today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so going into kind of how you talked about like the idea of like how you didn't go to school for a while and then you went Mm -hmm. to school. Um, When you, like in the nineties, do you think that opportunities like educationally and career-wise, I guess it's kind of more like back to the feminist point, like how grandma would have only had a few mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, do you think like, what am I trying to say? Like that you had 
more opportunities? Or do you think that now um, we have more still? I think now you have more for sure. Yeah. Um, just a lot of that is where technology is gone. Um, I think that there were a lot of different opportunities that existed. It was just, did you know about them? How did you have access yeah, to those things? You couldn't just look up a university on a website and figure out what, what it offered. Yeah. Um, and so you'd have to send away for information packages. It took a lot of effort to do that. Okay. Um, so I know I had one friend who went to the University of Alberta for a couple of years and then she transferred to Concordia in Montreal to do mm. a film studies. I'm not sure exactly what her degree mm-hmm. was. And then she had to go to the States to do her master's. So I think there were those opportunities, okay. but it was just harder to access because the information was harder to access so for us it really didn't occur to most people I knew to go away Mm -hmm. to school I remember Um, you were talking about um like how one of your friends like her mom applied for university for her mm -hmm. but you actually had to like call in and like (laughs) read your course codes that you wanted from a pamphlet and she like oh you didn't get on it fast no there was a giant book of course codes and you had to phone in and then like uh-huh. and dial the course code to see if you could get in. Oh and so you goodness. had to start phoning in at whatever the time was, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. on registration day. Yeah. And just keep phoning and phoning and phoning and phoning and phoning. With all your different Because it would codes. be busy. Really? And oh then sometimes by the time you got through, your course was full. Mm-hmm. And um, so, um, yeah, one of my friends gave up mm-hmm. and uh, her mom registered her. And she in registered all of her for like rhythmic dance and like weird things right <laughs> she's like i think you'd have fun in these <laughs> she did and actually that it was interpretive dance oh interpretive dance. and it ended up being uh, a really class. one of her favorite classes that's so, so yeah that's so funny and at the time was the standard or expectation when graduating high school that most people went to post-secondary uh, you know what? To be honest, I'm actually not sure. Um, as far as the people I knew, it was maybe a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. As far as... I think my parents... My parents personally, um, I think, did have that expectation. But we didn't really it talk about discussed. it a lot. Yeah. Mm. Um, and... I think that, yeah, again, it just, the information wasn't as readily available as it is now. So even if it was assumed, people would have just applied for the local yeah. university okay. and probably general arts yeah, or Yeah, people whatever. weren't doing as many specific things. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe then the idea is that you would go for a year or two years and kind of figure out what you wanted to do yeah. and then break off and specialize into whatever you were interested in, where now mm-hmm. there's so many specializations available yeah. Yeah. up that front kind of... that you that there aren't as many people that start out in arts mm-hmm. and then That's figure true. it out. That's that kind of goes into like how you were saying that people would go for a couple years to just kind of figure out what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another reason why people that are 20 now, like us, don't end up doing that is because of the cost of education. So would you say, like, I don't know anything about, like, I assume it was less expensive, but I don't know, like, with inflation and stuff. You know it, what? It was less expensive, but I don't think it was less expensive when you look at like at the inflation and stuff yeah it was still really expensive Mm -hmm. to go yeah so it's always been it's always been um um an expensive thing to do yeah 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 did you personally take time off after high school before doing any sort of continuing education um I had a different route it was maybe less conventional where I actually didn't finish high school and didn't go back to uh, no I didn't walk the stage I went to the grad party but I didn't walk the stage um but yeah I didn't go back to university until I was 24 so I had a bit of a different journey yeah um and some of my friends went to university right away and graduated. Some of them mm. took time off. Some of that would be similar. I don't mm-hmm. think that would change. Yeah, people much. are kind of all over the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So down a different path, I guess more talking about what you were up to instead. <laughs> um, one of the things I always remember you telling me, especially like when I was going to like hang out with friends and I'd be like really stressed out. I'd be like what if they're not there like I don't want to be there first like things like that you'd be like I don't know we just like know that our friends used to hang out at like one of three bars 
and you just show up to the bars and hope that they're there because you didn't have cell phones. <laughs> that <And> is true. <laughs> we've been thinking all about like how social media makes it different, but you guys didn't have cell phones. That's like something I didn't even consider. That's you know, true. Talk about how different yeah. that is. Um. Yeah. If you wanted to know where people were, you actually had to call them on the phone, yeah. and if they weren't home, you'd have to leave a message with mm-hmm. their mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so it really did become. Yeah, you would go to the set. You knew where everyone would be on Monday. You knew where everyone would be on Tuesday. Yeah. And so either you would make plans with your friends over the phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you would just, like, sometimes if I was maybe working and decided at the last minute I was going to go out, I would know where everyone would yeah, be. Yeah, you could just go out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, do you think because you guys didn't have phones and because, like, we do have that access, I guess, like, I could just text Gabby. Could we text from, like, the other room sometimes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think that you guys or we become more independent because like from my perspective I guess you could say that we were more independent because we could like leave the house at a younger age kind of thing to like go do things like now versus like then when you kind of had to do things on your own do you know what I'm trying to say um phrase that better I don't know yeah. I, I don't know about I don't, I think just independence looked different. Yeah. I think that we were really independent in that even from a very young age, mm-hmm. um, I would be out playing with my friends for hours and hours and my parents wouldn't know. Yeah. Where I, I mean, they knew I was in the neighborhood as somewhere. As long as home by sunset. As long like, as I was home by the time the streetlights came on in the summer. Yeah. They were fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I had, from that perspective, I had a lot more independence than you did from a much earlier age. Yeah. So then when I was a teenager, I was, like, Free I hit rings. the streets. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so I think in some ways I had greater independence. And we also had to, because we didn't have cell phones or access to social media, mm-hmm. if we encountered trouble or a situation, we would have to figure out what to do ourselves how to navigate that yeah so if we were out mm-hmm. really late at night until after the buses stopped running we had to figure out how to get home yeah or what we were going to do Call grandma. um or, <laughs> yeah or if yeah or if something came up we needed to we would have to in that moment figure it out and so i think that kind of came from a very young age of being six or seven yeah and being out in the community at seven at night and mm-hmm. something happens and together you have to figure it out or yeah. there's an argument between friends and you have to negotiate that yourself because there isn't a parent there's more kind of hovering solving. over yeah. there's a lot of problem solving critical thinking making decisions and so in some ways i think we were more independent yeah than maybe you have the opportunity to be though yeah. maybe you are more connected yeah in some ways than we were yeah though i think we probably spent more face-to-face time yeah. with each other because that's the only way you could really talk to each other is to yeah. actually see each other yeah so that's why i would go out all the time yeah six or seven nights a week because that's how we connected like we would be going out for coffee multiple times a day on a saturday yeah because that's just how that was the only way of connecting yeah and people were out all the time like i didn't spend a lot of time at home mm-hmm. that's very true like i feel like it's not abnormal for me to go, like, half a day without even, like, saying something to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, if I lived alone, I don't even know who I would talk to. Like, there's no reason <laughs> to too. talk to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you don't have to really... I mean, if you really wanted to, you could spend your whole day and live a completely normal life without mm-hmm. having to talk mm-hmm. to people. Uber it's eats, true. You can get your groceries delivered. And even now, yeah. I find that when someone actually phones me... You're like, it's oh kind of God, annoying. What is this? I know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to talk. Can't they just text me? Yeah. Um, so it's it's a really different way of connecting with people, I guess. Yeah. I think it really impacts, like, I, I feel like a lot of people in our generation and, like, my peers um, lack this ability of, like, immediate response. They're like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I wasn't prepared for this. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like... You know, whether it's, like, at work, like, I see it, or in mm-hmm. school or whatnot. Um, if somebody asks you something on the spot and you weren't prepared to answer this question, yeah. people don't know how to react. Like, they don't know how to manage themselves in interviews and things like that because yeah. you never have to do that. And it's, like, somebody texts you, you can choose how mm-hmm. long you take to reply. 
whose opinion you get on your reply. You know, it's like there's no pressure. I guess there is the flip side of that where when I was your age, if someone called Mm -hmm. and they left a message on my answering machine, they'd have to wait for me to get home, get that message, decide if I was going to call them back right away. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, maybe I wouldn't get it until the next day. Um, Where now I find the expectation for responses pretty quick. That's and I true. know even with regard to yeah. work, if I get an email, the expectation is whether it's the evening or a weekend or during the day or like right now when I'm on vacation, mm-hmm. the expectation is that I'm going to be responding in minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, where then it was just kind of, yeah, if you wanted to connect with someone, it really was by phone, or actually someone. seeing them or sending them a letter. Yeah. Those were the ways of yeah. connecting with people. Yeah. And so there wasn't the same, um, I think, immediacy that there is now around connecting. Mm-hmm. Well, even, this is mm-hmm. semi-unrelated, but um, my parents live in France, mm-hmm. and they have a law there that after, I think it's after 6 p.m., you are not allowed to reach out to employees about work-related business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, um, That's so nice. Yeah, but it, it's also like something that my dad has had to get like really used to because he came yeah. from North American culture, right. which is very like you're working all the time. Like yeah. you're, your job, your you're job working. is your life. Yeah, yeah. and um, there, like they just move at a slower pace, and it's like no, we have work life and we have personal life, and yeah, yeah it's actually against the law. That sounds yeah. really when you do that. I think so. then then prior to social media uh, and cell phones and technology, there was definitely more work-life balance. Like when my dad came home, yeah. he just was home. Was home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like always thinking about work and school mm-hmm. and working mm-hmm. on that all day. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's some positive things to it and there's some negative things for sure. I yeah. mean, when I was your age, if one of my friends moved away, like mm-hmm. far away yeah that was kind of it like there was no such yeah. there was no such thing as like long distance phone plans or free long distance or anything expensive. like that it yeah. was just expensive one of my friends one of my best friends moved to montreal yeah and we would talk pretty much every day on the phone and sometimes we would each have phone bills that were in the hundreds of dollars which like, then yeah. was oh like goodness. outrageous yeah, yeah. um that was the only way of connecting with people. So yeah. most of the time when people moved away, it was like, oh, remember such and such? Oh, yeah, I totally remember. Yeah, she moved. was so awesome. What happened? <laughs> and they just moved. Or if someone even just changed schools. Yeah. That's like, true. that's it. I'm never going to see you again, even though you so only fun. live on the other side of the city. Yeah. Well, that's like, yeah. I remember when Facebook first became a thing. My mm-hmm. parents got it. And they were so like, oh, my gosh, like, found this person from, like, when we were in high school, we found this person, and it's just, it was, like, crazy for them to, mm-hmm. um, like, be able to connect with people from so your far past. back in their yeah. past. Mm-hmm. It just, like, wasn't a thing. Yeah. 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 So that happened for me as well when Facebook started, and yeah, all of these people came out of the woodwork mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, my mom would have said the same thing when her... Um, you know, when my grandfather immigrated here, mm. when he left Italy, he never saw or heard, or heard from, from those people again. again. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His life there was over. His life here started. Uh-huh. And so even for me, for us to have the phone was yeah. a huge wow. innovation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so now it's just next level. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. So I would say that's oh, something yes. around that helps people to remain more connected mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah, I think now we even have the opposite problem where we, like, we talk about this often. We actively have to not follow people on social media because mm-hmm. there's, like, this over-connection. Yeah. And you're like, why am I, like, inundating myself? Like, I go on my Instagram feed. I don't even see, like, the first, like, 20 posts. I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You realize really We both did, like, a purge not yeah. that long ago. I actually, this is a really big deal for me, but mm-hmm. in the last couple weeks... I'll click on the Instagram stories and I'll be flipping through and I'll hit the end in like two minutes because yeah, I don't un, like you unfollowed. Some yeah, people. I yeah. actually know everyone whose story I see and then it's done and I've seen them all and I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was possible. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like, 
it, it's it crazy feels that good that you don't have this burden of like liking and following and keeping mm-hmm. up with all these people's lives that you don't really actually care about. Yeah. yeah. But you feel like you're supposed to care for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but something that Emma and I really want to talk about was what you think of dating apps and oh, how yeah. that Social has changed. Dating apps. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first of all, I will say that the construct of a dating app existed then. Okay, yeah. But it was different, obviously. Mm-hmm. It was, the, it was, were those um, dating phone lines that oh, still no. exist today. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know anyone who ever Actually used them that. personally, Seems really oh, okay. sad but they existed yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't even, I don't know if they had commercials for them or if they would no. just be sort of at the back of I've magazines or newspapers. I've seen the infomercials yeah. as a kid too. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't completely foreign. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't completely foreign, but I don't think, I don't know, maybe it didn't exist in Edmonton. I'm not sure, but it wasn't a thing anyway for yeah. people I knew, but then we were going out all the time so every night of the all week the time. yeah and, and that's how you met people yeah it goes back into how we don't like i know lots of people still go out a lot like our age but i feel like you are more like hanging out with your little circle of people like when i used to go out i found it was very like people aren't as inclined to go talk to a stranger and build mm-hmm. like a lasting connection with a stranger like you might go up to a stranger That's and like true. have a, like i have yeah. so many people where i've had a really fun time or met girls in the bathroom mm-hmm. of a bar every time you go in the bathroom of a bar all the girls become best friends but then <laughs> i think maybe in the past where you guys would have actually like if you saw them again you would say hi and you'd see mm-hmm. them every week at the same bar and you'd become yeah. friends we're just like okay bye see you never again because i have my friends and i have my circle yeah. <laughs> and i'll follow you for a month and, and i'll, yeah, unfollow, and you'll you. unfollow you yeah. yeah i mean i think those i mean part of human nature is is that tribal mentality where we had clicks for sure as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember meeting people later in life and finding out that we hung out at the same places at the same time and never saw each Mm, other again because we would just be hanging out at different parts of the bar or the coffee place or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just never cross paths. So that still existed, but I think there was a lot of intermingling Yeah. for sure. Yeah, I feel like we just don't want to as much. I feel like for, like, 20-somethings using, like, dating apps now, like, for me, my mom listens to the podcast, so she knows I love good dating app. <laughs> I hate myself. Um, but it's, like, the idea of you don't want to, like, leave things up to chance. Like, I feel like in the past... That's exactly what right? I was going to say. People let things up to chance, whereas now, like, I was literally just talking about how Bumble has, like certain like features that are free now where I've checked off I'm only looking to even see people that want a relationship that are over 5'10 that Mm -hmm. aren't super religious that like Mm -hmm. you can have all of these specifications that only live within 20 kilometers of me and are between the age range of blank and blank (laughs) and but it's like that is like the category that I have because there's so many people in the city but at the same time it's like you're looking for something so specific but I don't want to like meet someone at a bar and then have feelings for them and then let that blind me to the fact that they have no career aspirations and live a 45 minute commute away Mm -hmm. because that's inconvenient yeah and so you might but like I know there's pros and cons to both you know well I think that's everybody's fear now yeah like I think that like fear of making the wrong choice because there's well fear of like I don't know it's just I was even talking about the other day how when my boyfriend and I first started dating he lived 45 minutes away mm-hmm. and I would go there I would work an eight-hour shift get on public transit for an hour just to yeah. go spend the night with him like and then go to school in the next yeah, morning I basically yeah. lived out of my backpack for like three months yeah it wasn't ever at my house so I'd like stop by my house to like change mm-hmm. clothes and it's and like you did that because you liked him so yeah, much yeah but it's like I think when you give yourself, you you feel entitled to ha- have like all these things. So like yeah. you think, okay, well, if the app is giving me options to check these boxes, mm-hmm. somebody's going to meet all those boxes. Yeah. yeah. And that's just not realistic. Like, yeah. we watched these videos on YouTube that are, like, real-life dating apps. I don't know if Emma's told yeah. you about them. 
but basically they'll bring it and it'll be like one girl and she has I don't know 60 guys around her and then she basically just like keeps adding ha- parameters yeah keeps adding different wants. parameters like yeah. she says like okay if you're under this height uh, you please can't leave. leave the circle if, if you, you smoke. don't like dogs please leave yeah. if you are not vegan please leave and there's usually and like 10 usually, questions sometimes everyone leaves yeah sometimes and it's like okay you did you were just surrounded by yeah. all these potential people that i think most of them already fit their physical description it's like oh i want a guy around this age and like yeah. that kind around of looks like this yeah. i think in some ways i think that is problematic in that there is almost too much choice yeah that leads to potentially unrealistic expectations yeah or the idea well i should be able to get that because there's so many people where mm-hmm. really kind of how we dated then yeah. was like having those parameters in that we hung out at the same places yeah so you know those people have generally are going to have things in common with mm-hmm. you are going to live in the same area so as yeah. you that's true i mean we used to talk about it all the time some every now and then we would like Let's go to a, like a bar on the West End. We yeah. never went to the West End ever, <laughs> and we would go there. And it's like there's a there are people who live here who go out every night, who yeah. have fun, who have the exact same life, but on the West End, and we will never meet them That's or true. have any yeah. part of their life. There's there are whole other scenes that are happening in the city that we just don't yeah. know about because we mm-hmm. are in this location. Yeah. This is where we hang out. These yeah. are the four or five places that so we go. So it's almost like we now have the option to extend our parameters, yeah. but choose to keep them anyway. It's like I could date someone who lives on the other side of the city, but I would still prefer not to. But even. I think your parameters are still bigger because yeah. you have the choice. Yeah, that's true. You have a lot more choice. Like You yeah. can go on whatever Tinder and see how many guys there are in your five kilometer yeah. radius. Yeah, it's more just mm-hmm. like you don't have to actually go... Mm-hmm. to 10 bars to meet yeah. 10 different people you can mm-hmm. just meet 10 people who are already hanging yeah. out of the 10 and so bars. really what would end up happening is that you know you would end up dating or making out with multiple guys in the same friend group because mm-hmm. those are just that's who you have to pick from yeah um yeah yeah that doesn't sound fun to me the nice thing about dating people on dating apps to my experience is if you don't want to see them anymore you're probably never going to see them again. Oh. When you have no friend group connections. Yeah, no, yeah we, that's true. Yeah, no, we learned, we were ghosting before ghosting was a thing. And yeah. we were ghosting people we knew and saw on a regular basis. <laughs> if you can manage so to ghost someone that you see twice a week for months, <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah. It's a really, really impressive. And we did it constantly. Oh and I think it was just like, it was a mutual thing. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, that happened. And let's never make eye contact again. Well, better, maybe they're better at confrontation then too. Because now we never have to deal with confrontation. Because you never see them. Yeah. There were many times when we, I, you know, I would go out with my friends yeah. and I would literally have like an upset stomach thinking about, oh God, am I going to see... Whoever, yeah. whoever it was in that moment, and then if I did, it was like a nightmare, panic attack nightmare. <laughs> and if I didn't, was like, what's he? Up? Same, horrible, yeah, like you never nightmare. Know. They could show where, up. where is he? What happened? Yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, and you would have no way of knowing where they were, what they were doing. That's yeah. true. Ever, and that's so fun. if someone was out for a night out without you. You want to know? Yeah. So that's another reason why there was serious during those years fear of missing out. Like FOMO was a big thing because you would have no way of knowing and you always were worried that it was going to be the best night ever. It never was. Yeah. And now as an adult, I know I'm not missing anything. I can stay home and watch Netflix. But then I for sure was convinced it was going to be the best night ever. And people would tell you it was and you had no way of knowing if it was or wasn't because there was no documentation of it. (laughs) One time I was hanging out with one of my friends, maybe like a few months ago, and she like had seen, she had like gone on a date with this guy like the week before, but then like things had been kind of fizzling out, but she still wanted to see him again. And so we went onto his Instagram and we saw he had a story and even though there was no location posted or nothing, we saw like what the inside looked like and we were like, that seems like something that'd be on the west side. We Googled like four different bars and we found a bar where the inside pictures look the same. <laughs> we knew what bar he what? was at. And so it's like, now it's the opposite. It's like, 
oh, he's at that bar? Like, if we wanted, we could be there in 15 minutes and yeah. you could casually mm. run into him. So, yeah. So then if there were certain, if there were certain boys that I was interested in or a certain boy and I knew his vehicle, then we would just drive to different bars until you <laughs> oh would like I see his vehicle and be like, oh, there's his truck. He's here. <laughs> Bastard. We're going in. <laughs> I remember my mom telling me about how, like, her and her friends um, would drive past, like, their crush's house to see, like, what girl is parked on the driveway. Oh, 100%. Oh, my God, that's good. I'm like, I can't even imagine that now. We just, like, flip through, like, did they like his picture? Yeah, it's Oh, my God. Oh, no, then you actually had to. Oh, we were huge stalkers. Everybody was. Like, you, that was the only way would be to drive by their house. Or like me. park outside their house and literally, <gasps> and then everyone would like duck yeah. down. Oh my god! <laughs> no, for real, it happened all the time. So oh um, my god! Because yeah, that's the only like if you were stalking someone, you had to actually yeah. physically stalk them. No, I could just stalk them. <laughs> yeah, we stalked a lot. Oh my god! I was gonna say like should we draw a conclusion, but I feel like there's no real conclusion. I know there's it's no real like, conclusion. It was, was different, fun, so but like, it was also the same. Yeah, I think yeah. there's lots of similarities because. People are people. People are people. And I think there are things that were better then, and there are things that are better now. And I think ultimately it's... um, Making the best of what you got. Making the best of what you've got. Yeah. Make good choices out there. Got all those parameters. Make good choices, Don't touch my toe like that. (laughs) You know I will. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'm really, I'm, I'm mostly, I'm really interested to see what it will be like when you guys are having kids and what their experiences will be like and and will at some point in time will things um turn again where people go back to more traditional ways of meeting i am there was a really great docu-series on netflix talking about how um talking about sexuality around the world and talking about how people are going back to matchmakers yeah and like Mm. traditional ways of meeting people because yeah online just isn't working and that goes back to like the idea of like i watched a documentary about like how bon iver was like a really like solid like start point to when like everyone wanted to go back to traditional things and it Mm -hmm. became that like douchey hipster thing now but like where everyone was obsessed with like records and with film cameras and like going back to all nostalgia. that. So nostalgia is like a big thing. And so maybe it'll keep, like you said, like progressing into all other aspects. Like people will want to go to bars and actually talk to people more. Yeah. Or like people just won't bring their phones they say that like people in our generation are getting married like way younger Yeah, younger. we're actually getting which married is, really young. Which is yeah. interesting because I think that is one of the switches that you guys my, don't want to get married. My parents got married young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of my friends' parents got married young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And most of my friends, I never got married, but most of my friends got married in their early mid to late 30s yeah oh wow so it was about having a career so i think it's just the pendulum swings back and forth yeah yeah and now maybe it will be i know we're like the opposite sort of finding a balance of yeah having a career getting married when you want to yeah Mm mm-hmm being able to connect with people, being able to use the resources that you have, but, but also, yeah, not yeah. depending on them, but being mm-hmm. able to have actual, real, genuine connections with people. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming all this way just to be on a podcast episode. You flew across that's, the country just how, for it. That's how committed I am. Thank you for the <laughs> turmeric hot chocolate. It's like a nice spicy twist. If you guys want the recipe, like, <laughs> let us know in the comments at Hot Cocoa Podcast on all social medias. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Or share us on your Insta stories we if you want it. to if recommend us to your friends. And let us know what you'd like to hear next. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.